0: Want to cut cooling bills without cutting comfort? lower utility costs, and enjoy cool and consistent comfort with a highly efficient air conditioner from Luxair. With Luxair's consumer rebate program, educators, nurses, first responders, military personnel, and veterans can enjoy exclusive rebates on qualifying purchases of Luxair equipment. To learn more, call G-Team Mechanical at 765-376-3042 or visit gteamhvac.com. They'll recommend a system tailored to your home that provides comfort, energy savings, and lasting performance.
1: This is Trackside with Kirk Cavan and Kevin Lee on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Still three-tenths of a second. Santino Ferrucci running just in front of them. The setup for turn number three. It's up to four-tenths of a second. Scott Dixon's going to come off of turn number four. Takuma Sato going to hit the button, going to try to make the move, but he cannot get it done. Twin checkers in the air, and Scott Dixon will go to victory lane. Ottawa Ward is hustling that car, trying to run down Joseph Newgarden, down the back straightaway, but he is running out of time. It is down to a half a second, but Joseph Newgarden, he's looking for career win number 20. Here he comes, Mark through turns three and four for the final time. For the final time, Joseph Newgarden comes to the start finish line. Twin checkers out, and he wins the Bomberie on a Motive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway. Joseph Newgard about to see the white flag. 8 tenths of the second. The lead for Joseph Newgarten as the white flag flies. Meanwhile, the battle for second heats up right at the tire tracks. David Malukas goes to the high side. Side by side between turns one and two. He's going to sweep around the outside and make that pass. David Malukas streaks around Scott McLaughlin. He's pedaling for everything he's got. He's got to make up about seven car lengths. Mark, can he catch Joseph Newgarden on the last lap? Scott McLaughlin is coming. David Malukas is coming. I don't think they're going to get him. A good strong run off of turn number four, but it's not enough. Joseph Newgard with a strong finish. He goes to victory lane for the third straight year, winning the Bomberino Automotive Group 500. David Malukas with his first career podium, a strong finish, finishes second. Scott McLaughlin, Pato Award to Kumasato, the top five.
0: After a weekend off, it's race week again. Hello, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Trackside, 93.5, 107.5. The fan in Indianapolis, Kevin Lee, Kurt Cavan. Glad you're with us tonight. Some highlights of previous um, IndyCar events in St. Louis. Gateway, Worldwide Technology Raceway is the official name. And the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 is coming up Sunday afternoon, 330 Make a note, 3:30 on NBC, Kurt Green Flag is
2: <laughs> pretty much short. right then. Yeah, pretty much right then. It's uh, I don't have the official on me, but it's uh it's pretty quick thereafter.
0: This is uh, so I'll try to mention this a couple of times tonight, spread the word. This is a very short uh television pre-ratio, 3:30 on the air, 3:31 is the command. And approximately 3.36, these are Eastern times, 3.36 Eastern, 2.36 local is the green flag for 260 laps, 500 kilometers uh, at Worldwide Technology Raceway this weekend. I don't know if that's by design. I'm in the booth, so now I don't have to do the on-camera. I don't have to sweat outside in the sun in a suit, so it's nice and cozy. I don't have to um, make the sprints during the national anthem and get yelled at by people running up the grandstand. This is the one there's no elevator. Yeah. So Lee Diffy has been very savvy over the years. I think this is the third or fourth time he's been on assignment and missed this event, which is is great because I love oval track racing and Diff is getting good use. I watched the today show and I think he was on four different times this morning. He's called a couple of Americans uh, winning um, the hundred in, in the, um, Track and Field World Championship. So that's been going great. That's where Lee is this weekend in Hungary. He'll be back for the final two. And we will see if he gets to say hello, Polo, as the champion, or if he wraps it up this weekend.
2: Hello, Polo is probably, um, yeah, it's pretty much coined at this point. But, yeah, it'll be good. I'm glad. It.
0: Yeah, I, I, I won't be saying that.
2: Yeah. I, I feel I'm glad, it's his. <laughs> I'm glad you're uh, not going to have to make that, that uh, jog up what amounts to, I used to have to make it in high school press boxes. You know, you go walking up the steps and then when you get to the press box, you still have to meander your way around. Uh, You know, those are, you know, first world problems for a broadcaster, but it is something to consider when the humidity will be as it typically is in St. Louis there on the river, but a really exciting event. I, I love this event and uh, the Bomberito group, and John Bomarito and and Chris Blair and and all the all the people behind the the production of this event from the local standpoint, great to work with. They love IndyCar racing. The action is going to be great. Joseph Newgarden go for four in a row, which doesn't happen very often at a singular track. So a lot of good things to watch. Plus, Polo trying to wrap up a championship early. It's all on Saturday and Sunday. It's a
0: two-day show. And speaking of the Bomberito Automotive Group, I mentioned this, I think, at the end of the show last week. John and some of his group were in the same suite I was in for the Brickyard. I uh, went up to watch the Xfinity race and then came back on Sunday to watch the cup race. And he said ticket sales are better. They're up. So I was really happy to hear that. You're always fearful when a place gets a cup race, if that impacts things. But his feeling is that, no, we're we're – making st louis more of a motorsports town and it's you know kind of the same thing that we've talked about and hoped that other promoters would see and try to use is yes it's competition if there's another event in your market but let's just try to grow motorsports and use one to promote the other and my guess would be is that they use the nascar weekend to educate some of those fans that hey you can come back here you had a good time We've got another event, and it's actually entirely different than what you're going to see this weekend. So that's good. Sunday is, I need to, we need to pull up the color schedule. Is there anything else? Silver Crown. Sunday. Silver Silver Crown. Crown. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. So that's a cool deal. Um, Saturday is jam packed. Indie Next is there starting at, boy, I think eight in the morning, maybe nine in the morning local time. Indy will practice at ten local, eleven o'clock Eastern. One hour practice. Qualifying is two to three Eastern. The Indy next race is right after that at three twenty-five. This is all on Peacock. The final practice with an asterisk is sort of from five to six forty-five. So the final hour. These I believe are still Eastern times that I have. Um, yes. Yes. So the final hour is practice. The first half hour is highline practice, kind of TBD. I I don't know if everyone's doing it or not uh, that, you know, we need to make sure they have enough tires for everyone to participate, but there is going to be something along with that. And here's something I had forgotten until yesterday. I remember when this was announced, but honestly forgot there's
2: an alternate tire this weekend. There is an alternate tire. And by the way, uh, that Silver Crown race, from a local time standpoint, is at 12.15. If you're in the, in the parking lot. 15
0: Central. Okay.
2: Well, 15 Central. I don't give an Eastern time because you can't watch it on Peacock, uh, for example. So it's only really important to the people who are at the racetrack. And the other thing I would say on, on John Bob Marito and, and his efforts to grow it in the market, I would argue that... As you follow that I seventy corridor between St. Louis and Indianapolis, I would say that's some of your largest percentage of race fans outside of Central Indiana. I mean, that's a really good race fan stretch, and I'm sure they draw really well from from uh, from Illinois and and even the western part of Indiana. The Terre Haute group, uh, obviously, really. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't equate to fifteen or twenty thousand people, but it it certainly adds to the lot. And so, you know, the efforts on the ground with uh, the automotive group and the reach they have, plus, you know, just the race fans, um, all very good for supporting this event. One more thing about the Silver Crown race, because we may likely get away from it and not discuss it the rest of the night. There is an IndyCar connection, at least as it stands right now. Davey Hamilton is scheduled to run the Silver Crown race. He went over and tested last Tuesday. We had Davey an. He's senior,
0: not not a son. Davey, the former IndyCar driver,
2: the sixty-one-year-old radio broadcaster, wow. is going to be. Uh, he had his son switched teams, and so we did a. Davey and I did an event at the at the Speedway Museum on Wednesday of last week, and. He had just tested the day prior. And I said, What are you doing? You're 61 years old. You know, we can go down the list of reasons. You got a job that weekend. What are you doing? He said, Well, my son switched teams. He had been driving the car. The car is now available. So it's been sitting there. And I've been wanting to always love Gateway, love those uh you know, mile tracks, and and thought, yeah, let's let's give this a go. So he went over and tested. He was one of five cars testing last Tuesday. He was second quick to his son. And so he said, I'm going to give this a go. He said, I'm probably out of shape. Don't expect me to win the race, but I'm looking forward to it. And then sweaty uh, as I will be, I will get my way up to the broadcast booth pretty quickly after the race. A couple hours, ultimately, I guess probably less than that. But he said, and then I'll, I'm essentially doing the double uh, this weekend at Gateway.
0: Will he get a two-seater uh, stint in there as well? He does Probably. have a two-center. Yeah, yeah, he has two-center. So he's center. not going straight to the booth.
2: <laughs> yeah, he may not go straight to the booth. He's got, maybe that's what it was. He was going straight to the two-seater and then to the booth. So, Davy Hamilton, he's going to earn his money this weekend or yeah, the money cool. that he spends as a race car driver.
0: Yeah. Um, I bet Silver Crown Racing is really good there. So I'll look forward to that. And luckily, it's not going to be a 100 on sunday it is going to be 100 on friday but it's supposed to be down to like 88 to 90 maybe 85 depending on what forecast you look look at on saturday and then i've seen some on sunday that say 81 degrees and in the low 60s on sunday morning uh so that is as good as you are ever going to get in st louis in august so i hope you can come out and join us one other nugget uh from since you mentioned silver crown logan seavey was on our show earlier this year the one the chili bowl this year i saw he won two races in one day last weekend he won a silver crown race i forget which one was where but one of them was at the uh the springfield mile and another was an hour or two away but he won a silver crown race in the afternoon or maybe vice versa and then a midget race at night. So I'm going to guess he is one of those although I know he does a lot of dirt. So I can't swear to that whether he's going to be there this weekend or not. But he drives for uh, Abacus Racing, which is a friend of ours Brent Cox, um who is honestly my accountant. So that's why I pay attention more to that team. And he is someone that has a suite at IMS that I spend a lot of time in. So happy for Brent and happy for Logan, who seems like a nice young guy who's really talented as well. So, all right, let's get back to the business of IndyCar and speak to the alternate tires. So we had a call with Firestone today to answer some questions um, about what this is going to look like. So essentially- Both of these tires, it's, you know, my question was, well, how much testing have you done in this tire? What do we know? How much different is it? And it's a tire that's been used on this track before. Maybe some very slight changes, but it's not like this is any kind of big risk at all. They have tried many different types of tire, always searching for the best. And the story was told that You know, one point a few years ago, (laughs) drivers were telling a new employee at Firestone, hey, your tires are actually too good. They don't wear at all. And so that makes it hard to separate. And, you know, we'd we'd love to see something that falls off a little more. Okay, well, then you get to a point where, oh, these are falling off a little bit too much. We had a little bit of blistering. So looking for a happy medium. They've actually been pretty happy with the tire the last couple of years. But there's still this has been an idea that's been in the works for a few years to do something like what we see on road and street course racing. And sometimes, especially if you have a long green flag stint. Now, the restarts are awesome. But if you have a long green flag stint, it can get a little bit processional and it's difficult to pass. So the idea here is, well, this might promote potentially more passing because you're going to have different strategies. Everyone must use the alternate set once and no more than once you only have one set there's not going to be a use set there is a second set that is available for a practice session but those must be turned in so it's not like you can run them two laps and then save them for the race you get a set to learn how long they're going to go what you need to do to your setup you give them back and then you have one sticker set you will run in the race i believe i read it will not be the first stint you will start on primary tires And then after that, you will do one stint and some will say, we want to make it the last stint because there will be more rubber on the track. It will be better. Others might say, yeah, the track might heat up more in the day. I don't know. You know, I think people will do it at different times. It's probably only going to be for cars and Firestone didn't say this. They said, you know, we'll kind of wait and see. Um, But my guess would be since it's a tire that's been used in the last few years, it's probably at worst going to only last, you know, four, five, six laps less than the others, unless you don't take care of your tires. And I know one thing we've seen on short ovals in the past is we've seen some teams qualify really well. And by lap 20, they're 20th. And by lap 35, they've had to take a pit stop when everyone else is going to lap 55, and then their race is over. So those kind of teams... Luckily, it won't be on the first stint because they'll be on the primaries. But the stint they do on the alternates—if they struggle to get past thirty-five, they might be struggling past twenty-five. So you'd better get that right.
2: So if memory serves me—and I haven't done this research because I'm not on pit road asking the question—and it's not a you know a requirement of my job to understand you know how many uh, laps it's better for you broadcasters to know this information in advance. But as I recall three pit stops in this race correct if you were playing it out correctly which is four tire stints
0: yes and i think it's possible now some last year i I looked at this earlier today i believe like fifth sixth and seventh or something like that sixth seventh and eighth did four stops so it is not an easy three stopper and it does take either fuel and tire saving more likely tire saving uh and a yellow at the right time to be able to do it on three, I think this might lead to some mixed strategies as well. That I think you'll say some just, you know what, we can't make, because you need to average something like 65 a lap. Let's do the math there. Is that right? I believe that's what I recall from last year. Something in the range of 65 laps per stint to do it on three. And... By 55 to 60, it's getting to be pretty tough. So you need a yellow in there somewhere to be able to stretch one of those to 75. If it somehow stays green, then I think you're going to see some people just say, you know, you know what, we can't make the alternate go more than 45 laps without losing three seconds. So we're doing on four stops and we're going to try to go fast. Yeah, some think... that manage the tires will save and gamble a little bit on yellow and do
2: it on three. Yeah, that'll be fun. Uh, it's, it's always great to have a couple different options uh, for strategy, which allows for somebody like a Dale Coyne's team to pull pull something uh, surprising and end up right there in front of uh, one of the Penske cars with only a handful of laps to go. So anyway, uh, that'll be fun. I was just trying to think in my head, if you do a four-stop strategy and you've got five essentially tires in play, five sets in play, one of those is going to be uh, alternate and then you really could pick uh when you you know there could be some variants i don't think they would all choose the last stand they might um no i think it'll be mixed up yeah i yeah. think so too i think so too and even
0: a four stopper is 52-ish laps you know you think 50 100 150 200 it's a 260 lap race so that's not easy so I, I bet you're seeing some of that. Um, the other side of this though is I believe the tire they are using the primary is a a little bit harder than last year's. So while they were struggling, I think people last year, I watched the 30 minute cutdown. I haven't had a chance to watch the full race, but I watched the cutdown and I think a lot of people did their first stops last year like lap 55, 57 in that range of the lead group. So they didn't make it to 65 that you need to, Um, but a harder tire, maybe they do, maybe they are getting in the 60 range, but I still think it'll be mixed up a little bit.
2: Yeah, that's fascinating. And, and, you know, applaud to all involved for, for trying the alternates on the oval. I always thought that it, it could be done. The question was, you know, what are the mechanics behind it? What are the, uh, the pros and cons, uh, you know, how, how challenging is this on the tire side the tire manufacturer side so again kudos to all those that make that happen because we like and you know we've come to accept this alternate strategy it's not that difficult to explain it's not difficult to comprehend although i know that from a broadcasting standpoint you're always trying to make catch up the people who are watching the race for the first time that these races are 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 set up so that there will be you know, decisions for the for the engineers and the crews to make and the tires while softer, you know, they they'll be quicker at the start. You know, there you know, there's all kinds of things you still have to explain on a week in, week out basis. But I don't think it's that difficult to grasp. And I think it's uh, from a benefit standpoint, far outweighs the the time you have to spend catching people up to the nuances of the game.
0: If anyone is curious if this is something it is an experiment for more oval races, I asked that today, and the answer is no, we don't think so, because this gateway is a different kind of a track, and that's the one that becomes a little more challenging to pass. Texas is tough enough to find the proper tire to begin with, so I don't know that you want to mess with trying to have two proper tires there. You're obviously not going to mess with it at the Indy 500. Um, Iowa is fine as it is. Um, You know who knows about Milwaukee, maybe that is something if that happens, they could visit that down the road, but if and when that happens for year one, I wouldn't expect that, so the idea is that, well, hopefully this works, it goes well, we'll do it again at Gateway, and that kind of differentiates this event, and let's face it too, it's good for one of your key partners in Firestone it requires us to mention the tires uh, a few times during the race, specifically, so good on that other storyline as you mentioned we have a driver going for four in a row at a single track so i asked today on our call when's the last time somebody did that any guesses i'm gonna guess alan sir jr at long beach bingo 88 to 91 russ thompson looked it up for us it has happened a few times bobby Hall. Why, there is a straightaway name for him. There's a section of the track named for him. Laguna Seca did it from 84 to 87. Any other guesses of who might have done that?
2: Uh, I was trying you to remember. You have to
0: stray too far. It's, it's who you'd think are the people that have done this.
2: So I don't think Mike Landretti won four in a row at Toronto, but he won a bunch. I think he's won seven, but I don't think it was four in a row. He did not.
0: And that was the other question that I haven't seen yet is – So he's going for six at this track, right? Five. No, he's going for five. But it is a short list that have won five or more. My first thoughts off the top of my head were Michael, Al Jr., and Scott Dixon. Dixon at Mid-Ohio, Michael at Toronto, Al Jr. at Long
2: Beach. Foyt at Trenton, I believe.
0: Yeah, has to be, has to have happened. Well, and we'll get to this. You're right. Trenton is one of them, and Ducoyne uh, also is going to be in play, but probably not very many. The others that have won four and a row at the same track: Rick Mears, Atlanta, seventy nine to eighty two; Mario in two years, double headers at Circuit Mont sixty seven and sixty eight, and then AJ won for over a five-year span at DuCoin. There was no race in 1962, and that is courtesy of the vice president, I'd say executive vice president, of statistical information for NBC Sports and whoever he shares it with, Russ Thompson.
2: (laughs) And trackside, apparently, because we've now used it here. You know, the, the Mario one is, you know, that's a doubleheader two years in a row. This... It's impressive to me. This is more impressive when you do it over multiple years. Uh, You don't just, you know, like Joseph winning back-to-back at Iowa, and then if he comes Mm -hmm. back and wins back-to-back next year, four in a row, yeah, but you really just had their number two years in a row. Actually, Joseph's had their number every year, seemingly, at at Iowa since he joined Team Penske. Uh, But, uh, yeah, he goes for six in a row on the ovals. Uh, And really, uh, he's won eight of the last 10. Think about that. And one of them he should have won. Yes. The only other one that he didn't win, If this goes all the way back to Elio's Indy 500 win in 2021. Since that day, and I think Joseph was like 13th in that race, but since that day, he's won eight of the 10 oval races. The only one he didn't win was Marcus Erickson's Indy 500 and then he didn't win the Pawtow award uh race at Iowa last year when Joseph led 140 some laps and crashed as the leader due to a mechanical failure and so it really speaks to just how dominant he's been he really could be going for what seven in a row eight in a row uh i think it is and so he's he's just been unbelievable on the on the ovals uh, the other thing I, I looked up, he's won 26 races now with Team Penske, 29 overall, but 26 since he joined Team Penske in 2017, and 13, exactly half of those have been on the Oval. So he has certainly capitalized on his Team Penske uh, partnership here on the Ovals, and and he's won all of them. You know, he's won Texas, he's won Indy, he's won Iowa, he's won He's won uh, Gateway, so it's been pretty much uh, the most dominant thing we've seen from a single And that's uh, why we bring driver.
0: Milwaukee back, because he probably that's... hasn't won in Milwaukee,
2: has he? No, I don't think he's won in Milwaukee, <laughs> but uh, he probably do all right there. Although that's pretty flat, uh, it's it's a different type of circuit, even than the ones we've just discussed. But I, my money's on Joseph there as well.
0: Um, five straight at Trenton. In 63 and 64, only two years. There were three races in 63, and in 64, he won the first two before Parnelli won the third race of that season. So those are some of the uh, storylines from that standpoint. The other thing, I assume I mentioned this the last time that Newgarden won, that 29 number is significant. Yes. matches match is Mears. and next on the list is 10th. He is I two. think 12th so he needs to win two and the 31 number so he needs two more to get this That's Elio, that's Dario and that's PT And oh, it's, this is it's a, incredible. This is a young guy he's a 33 34 year old that 33 I think that is
2: already within striking distance of those legends He he's very seriously without without much alteration to what he's doing can catch Scott Dixon. And now can he get all the way to Foyt? I don't know, but you know, it's going to take a commitment to the sport which he's going to have to be in for for quite some time, but you know, winning 3 to 4 races a year will get him there in in pretty short order. I mean, he's not even halfway to Foyt. That's the incredible thing, but uh it's really impressive uh what he's done. By the way, as far as Foyt and Trenton, I think he won Trenton like either nine times or 11 times. Foyt at Trenton was unbelievable. So <laughs> it's, uh, you know, we haven't seen anything like that, but um, but really Joseph is, is just on a massive roll and I expect him to be really good. You know, he's only one of those 13 races that he's won on ovals. He's only won the pole for one of those races once. And that was at Iowa in 2020. The rest of the time, he just qualifies well. Third, fourth, right in that, Neighborhood, and then just comes out and kicks her butt. And at one point, I think the plan was for him to take a nine-grid
0: spot penalty for this race. That's what I was told at at Toronto. That we'll probably try to hold off and take it on the oval, and then and I forget the other one, but I I remember another Penske needed to take one because of an early engine failure. I can't remember if it's Power or McLaughlin and we're at the point in the year where I won't be surprised Saturday morning that we hear, yeah, so-and-so's got a nine-spot grid penalty. It's nine on Oval, six on Road and Street Courses, once you've taken your fifth engine of the season, and then another nine if you have to go to a six. So that's a storyline. But Newgarden, when they qualified poorly uh, at Indianapolis, he told me we were close to mileage down anyway, so we just decided let's go ahead and bite it now and – You know, it's going to be, it's going to take something from back there anyway. And then that way, if we qualify up front, we can start up front at worldwide technology raceway. So that's in play for this weekend. Um, When we come back, we'll get back to that championship of what it takes for Pelow a little bit. And then what else is going on in Alex Pelow's world? There's always something we'll discuss that cool livery that we're going to see really soon that brings the idea of throwbacks into play, where might be the best spot and much more coming up trackside 935 1075 the fan
3: life is so much more than a diagnosis it's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy all hits no skips learn more about cascali ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqal and talk to your doctor to see if cascali is right for you so long live singing to the oldies Jamming out to something new and everything in between.
1: Hi, this is Elie Castroneves, and you're listening to Trackside.
0: Thank you for staying with us. Trackside, 93.5, 107.5, the fan in Indianapolis. Kurt Cavan, Kevin Lee, we are glad you are with us for tonight's program. Uh, Eddie Garrison has the night off, and Graham Shear is in our studios and downtown Indianapolis. We continue Tuesdays for the foreseeable future podcast up after we're done via Spotify, iTunes, all of the usual outlets. Hey, thanks to Ryan Gavigan for suffering uh, with us to play golf at the brickyard. Good excuse to get me out of the house last week. Very, very poor golf. But as I told you, when you play once a year, you have no expectations. So it was fine. I liked it. Um, I haven't left the house since Sunday morning. It's hot. I'm not leaving I think until I drive to the track on Friday morning. I think that's my plan this week.
2: <laughs> you got a tough life, young man. Uh but uh your golf Working game Working
0: from home. Working from home.
2: Yeah, your um your golf game needs a little more time out of the house, but uh It
0: does. It does.
2: It's not like the mine that which has which has had some activity was significantly better. So, yeah, I your wouldn't excuse Yeah, I didn't have an excuse. I I was playing really well in like June, not so much in July and August. So,
0: Well, thanks to Ryan for joining. Oh, and Ryan sent this to us as well. Uh, He had a question for us that I thought was a good one, and he did the research. I took a screenshot of this today. Let's see if I can find it. But the question came up when Graham Rahal won the poll at the uh, GP and hadn't won a poll in six years. Has anyone gone longer, and who was it between polls? And I don't believe I really had an answer of who that might be. You know, Montoya went longer in time frame, but it wasn't very many races. He went longer because he was in Formula One, and he was in NASCAR. He went 14 or 15 years, but it was only 20 races or whatever. And according to Ryan's research, uh, Graham is the record holder but it wasn't this streak it was the one before so he went from 2009 at Kansas to 2017 at Detroit and did he sweep both polls there or just one
2: just one just, just one. one but he
0: won both he won both races so that means between in the last 14 years until 3 weeks ago he had one poll yeah. Which is actually shouldn't be surprising because Graham is the first to say, yeah, I don't qualify very well. If we could ever figure out qualifying, I'd have me a few championships because he always moves forward. So that was 133 races compared to this streak this time around was 104 races between polls. Next up, and this one, I guess, wouldn't have surprised us if you know history a little bit. It was Johnny Rutherford. And what I know about Johnny Rutherford is that he went a long time before he won that first race in the early 70s and then was one of the dominant drivers in the 70s. But he won a pole at Langhorne in 64. Also, was it that year or the year before? I think it was 63 when he won a, one of the twin races at Daytona in in a stock car. But then his next pole in IndyCar was the 73 Indy 500, 117 races and he only raced in 105 of those because he didn't qualify in 12 of them (laughs) and then there were another 25 or so that he didn't enter that was back in the day when you know there were a lot of races sometimes different types of things and not everybody ran every race next up if you're curious uh behind graham and rutherford and graham again ryan hunter ray went from 04 milwaukee to 12 edmonton 96 races Now he was not racing full-time all the time so that's towards the end of his cart champ car stints and then he was away for a little while and then he bounced around until he settled in again with uh andretti and then marco was one of our guesses but he was one of those in there from 13 pocono to 18 detroit one 81 races so there you go thank you to ryan for that Now to the Alex Pillow portion of our program. So here's kind of the scenario championship-wise on the track. My guess is he does not officially wrap up the championship this week because the aforementioned Joseph Newgarden is pretty good here and everywhere. Uh, And if he finishes ahead of Pillow or one position behind, unless it's first to second, then the championship is still going to be mathematically alive. Same for Scott Dixon. Uh, in that scenario, so so that's a decent chance. Now, at that point, Pelot just needs to show up to the final two
2: races, but it wouldn't be officially clinched this weekend. So, from a number standpoint, and I think it it varies based on Dixon versus Newgarden, but essentially, if Pelot gains nine points on both those drivers this weekend, he will clinch officially the championship. But what you're saying is he's probably not going to finish ahead of Joseph and Scott. Scott's won a race at Gateway. Joseph's won the last three and four overall. Polo has not really fared very well at at uh, gateway. It's not been one of his better tracks. He's, you know, he's been in the, in the double digits, 12 to 14 range, both in terms of the race and, and, and qualifying. He has had a top 10 start and a top 10 finish, but it's not like he has been, I say a podium finisher. We don't have a podium there, but you know, it's, he's not been a top three to top five guy on the track during the race. Now, He's certainly gotten better on the ovals over the years and his short track game. It's just kind of like Iowa. You know, it it would stand to reason that he's not going to have a top five finish and the other two guys are going to be down below that. Uh, you would expect that either Newgarden or Dixon will finish in the top five. That is is pretty standard for both of them. Uh, so he probably can't. Officially clinched this weekend, but he's certainly going to be very, very close at race's end unless he, you know, finishes in the 20s of which he'll gain just minimal points. Uh, They could they could hold out, you know, some hope if if they were to both finish in the top five and and he finish in the 20s due to an accident or mechanical or something along those lines. But but effectively, this championship is all but over as we speak.
0: I mean I guess if what's the scenario if one of them wins Dixon or Newgarden and so they could separate by uh 49, 49 points. That's 49 right. 49 could be the difference. So you're still talking a race and a half advantage.
2: You if you're Dixon or Newgarden, you need to you need to gain max points the next two races or pretty close to it which would mean winning the race and then having Polo finish in the 20s, because after you get down in the f- final numbers, uh, finishing wise, you get like five points, and w- which is the bottom number. And so if they were to gain 49 points this weekend, they'd have to do it next weekend. And they still would be behind, although obviously within striking distance, but they would still be behind going into the finale. But it's gonna take a lot of bad luck on Pelot's behalf and exceptional drives on theirs. And so I think then
0: if he is up by ninety-nine points, he only needs to show up because you can score
2: 50. there would be ten four
0: each race. He's gonna get ten points if he shows up and actually he probably needs to start the race. I, we'll have to, if that is the case, does he have to start the race or just make an appearance on track with the car sometime that weekend?
2: So IndyCar's history has been, and I assume it's in the rule book, that you get last place points for participating in the event. So when drivers okay. have have practiced and then say they crashed in qualifying as Sato did just a couple of years ago at Texas. There was, and the, There was a
0: half point thing at one point. They awarded you half points if you showed up.
2: Yeah, I don't. I don't there's... remember
0: if that's changed. So we probably are going to need. We'll get that buttoned up at Portland if that's the scenario, and that'll be one of the questions that we have. When does he score the five points? Is it first practice? Does the car have to show up on the grid? Does the car have to leave the grid? Uh, those are those are the questions that you know. Essentially, we're probably going to be celebrating. I guess we still wouldn't. We wouldn't be celebrating that championship at Portland in that scenario because he would still need to show up to Laguna Seca. Then it would come at the checkered flag. You know, he would just need to score ten points. Well,
2: if he's up, which is
0: finishing twentieth or whatever,
2: if he if he's fifty five points ahead going to uh, Laguna Seca, then it's over. He doesn't need to show up, and the idea that he'll be up fifty-five points going to the last race is pretty likely, honestly, because he's got a hundred and one point lead on Dixon and hundred and five. You know, it's going to take massive gains on their part in these two races to even have a shot at him at uh, at Monterey.
0: And then we can start talking about again. Well, it's not like we're going to stop, but where will he be driving next year? And in- what legal entanglements does he have in the offseason? I was trying to find the story. I thought I emailed it to myself. Came out last week that uh I think Nathan Brown of the Indianapolis Star was the first that found the what legal filings. So help me if I'm getting some of the verbiage wrong. Is, is McLaren suing Alex Pillow?
2: I think the answer to that is yes. I don't have the legal num- legal words right in front of me, but ultimately, what the story said is that they are seeking monetary damages. So, yep. they're not trying to say he he we're holding him to a contract because. I think we've we've gone down this path pretty extensively. We're not sure he was able to sign a contract, but what they have done is advanced him money. They've invested in his IndyCar future, even his Formula One future, and they want their money back for the money they've invested in him. So that's why I think it probably – they aren't trying to hold him to a contract to drive for them in 2024 because, as we understand it from the outside – he couldn't have signed that contract yet. So they're probably not holding him to that. They're probably holding him just to the money for the reasons I just described, because they've invested so much and they advanced him part of his 2024 salary.
0: But then that's going to come down to the legal ease and the wording and what this money was for. And we also know that the Pelot camp sometimes uh, does not judge the wording of contracts correctly because they felt like, that the Ganassi contract was not binding when it was, and they obviously feel like whatever was agreed upon with McLaren was not binding. Zach Brown says it was, so who knows. But could that contract or agreement with McLaren, especially the official part, because he was doing something for McLaren, so there was a contract. Even if he was not allowed to sign the IndyCar contract – he was driving their Formula One car. He was representing McLaren in the Formula One paddock. So reason would say he's been getting paid to do that. And then it comes down to the argument of, well, how much were you getting paid for that? And then they are they trying to argue that, yeah, the money we spent on you to defend you in court, uh, in the case against Ganassi last year, we want that back as well. Um, and did they advance him salary on IndyCar? But if that's just simply a wink, wink, nod, nod, that might not hold up in court. So ultimately, we can all guess as to who is right and who is wrong. But you need to see the wording to have any sense on that. So we shall find out there. And then the next part is, where is he going to drive? Uh, Logic says it's going to be at Ganassi. I know Marshall Pruitt Eraser.com uh, has reported that. I don't know if it's a firm report, but it's just he says, I believe that he signed a contract, and I believe that's correct as well. Uh, Or I believe that information to Marshall is accurate because it makes sense. But what we don't know is if there is an out in there. So there are lots of contracts, but there are lots of outs in contracts. So it could be a contract that simply says, yes, you have a window to sign with Formula One, and here's the other one. Might Alex Palou sign a contract because he's now in the world where, yeah, what's that mean? Yeah, yeah I, I signed two previous contracts and didn't uphold those. Did you see what Will Power said on Speed Freaks?
2: I saw that. Uh, Joey <laughs> Barnes brought that to my attention this afternoon, and and we got a good laugh over that. And and you know, you can break down the the uh, report from Will, but Will made light of the fact that Alex should just sign with himself and therefore he could argue with himself whether or not he's upholding the contract that he signed for the team owned by Alex Pillow and the car owner and then the driver could hash it out between themselves.
0: Yeah, I think he said even if he, uh, Kenny Sargent, one of the co-hosts, said something like, well, maybe he should just start his own team. And Will said, I'm paraphrasing, yeah, he'd probably break that contract too. <laughs> um, so and you know, he the situation a... is not going uh, swimmingly. So I hope pillow is allowed to explain himself if that is possible once this is all clear he's probably not going to be allowed to and he's probably going to decide not to that yeah this is probably not going to come out well for me so i'm better off just leaving it vague and keep you all guessing as to how this happened
2: yeah, that's kind of how his uh, his operation has has gone over the years. He's makes himself available. We've talked about this on multiple occasions. he he tries to give you something. Uh, he's very polite. He's a great speaker. he 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 makes the effort, as we said, he was available all during the contract issues last year. But you have to wonder how this happens two years in a row. You know, you just and if you were getting into a contract with him, his talent, you know, he better hope that he never uh, gets in a situation where his talent is called into question because who would sign him? If mm-hmm. if they decide that, well, you're only good because you're driving for Chip, if that becomes the narrative, it's going to be difficult for him to get the kind of ride and the kind of money and the kind of contract he likes, I would think.
0: Talent always prevails, though. There it is sure a, does. There is a different expectation and limitation or what you're willing to accept for behavior when you're really, really good and you produce. So that's what he's able to get at this point. You know, and it may be simply a a point where, okay, this was, you know, maybe he feels like he was duped in the McLaren situation to begin with. So I'm just going to go full circle and I'm going to do what I should have done to begin with. And I'm going to try to make it right um because you know and maybe he knows so zach brown has claimed yeah i had no idea he was under contract and to zach brown's credit you would tend to trust the driver it's up to him but logic would also say that pretty soon he knew and he doubled down so that may have led to all right you're going to do somebody that way i don't feel any guilt in doing you that way and going back the other way around. And what's the other metaphor, you know, that we've seen some people throw out there that um someone that cheats with a partner, someone that hooks up with a partner who is cheating, don't be surprised when they cheat on you. You know, is, is kind of the same scenario in that standpoint. So yeah, it's it's buyer beware that you know this is what you're going to deal with, but He's quite attractive as a race car driver, so he's going to have other suitors. And if he wants to change his mind on this, uh, someone would probably take his services again if he wants to change his mind in another three weeks. So since the championship isn't in question, that's what we're – he should make his announcement. Give us a reason to watch that trophy celebration at Laguna Seca because that's when it's officially going to happen. He needs to announce where
2: he's going to drive next year right there. Well, he probably can at that point. There's going to come could a point right now, if he's with Ganassi. Well, that's true. I suppose he could, uh, but I, I think, I just don't. I think there's more to this than you know. He's, I think he's got an out. I think he I signed think he does this.
0: Too. They, yeah. they would have ended. Chuckleheads like us talking about this and just sent out the release. I think, unless, um. Because Chip has smart lawyers. Maybe they've been advised, let's let this McLaren thing play out a little bit and not get us involved.
2: Or maybe Chip just enjoys watching Zach squirm.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And likes to give us all content. Yeah. Yeah. Chip likes to
2: give content. I mean, and and this is a a juicy story.
0: Chip likes winners. Chip likes content.
2: That's right as long as chip doesn't have to do the speaking for the content
0: okay all right we'll get to uh, some other things we want to preview for hour number two plenty more coming up trackside ninety three five one zero seven five. the fan
3: life is so much more than a diagnosis it's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy all hits no skips Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqal and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
1: Hi, this is Mark Zerickson, and you're listening to Trackside on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
0: Okay, quick segment here uh, before we get into our number two And Kurt just wanted to mention before we preview our number two, um, we, we lost one of the greatest names in Indy 500 history who had his own very significant resume and, you know, unfortunately dealt with tragedy as what an 11 year old. With his father and then his son as well, Billy Vukovich passed away um, just a couple of days ago.
2: Yeah, most people would know him as Bill Junior. Uh, Billy was his son who lost in a sprint car race. I don't know, nineteen ninety maybe. Um, I think but so. Yeah. To lose your father, um, who was going for three in a row at Indy when when he crashed on the backstretch, and you know his own family uh, tragedies, but people forget at least. You know, the the narrative doesn't point to the fact that Bill Vukovich Jr. was Rookie of the Year at the Indy 500. He was runner-up in 1973. It was, an, you know, a, a very uh, tragic Indy 500 in its own right. And he finished second and had a lot of good runs at the Speedway. And really there's a – what's the word I want? Some of the deepest-rooted fans of this sport, you know, who are of a certain age – really thought highly of Bill Jr. you know Bill Vukovich Jr was was one of their heroes and you know he's such a large presence in this community Indianapolis of course he's a west coast guy but um you know the family has has just had so much tragedy and, and it's just it's just a it's very it's very sad and to see Bill and Bill Jr. Bill Jr. and Billy in photographs this week has been tough for me I know
0: you know, I know our friend Robin was close to him. So that's, I, I didn't know Bill or Billy. They were before my time in the sport, but I've heard Robin talk about him. And I think he was, you know, when he was around uh, and available, he was part of their lunch crowd, right? The yep, Tuesday yep, crowd. Yep. Yep. So, uh, you know, it, it's, it's tough. We get older and we, we start to lose some of our heroes. And you're right, to a generation, Bill Vukovich Jr. was one of their heroes, not only because of the connection with his dad, but you're right, he was really good. He had a really good run at Indy, and won an IndyCar race and finished up front a lot. So, condolences to all his uh, friends, family, and fans as well. Hour number two coming up. Speaking of legends of the sport, really interesting news for AJ Floyd racing
3: today. We'll get into next on trackside. This- whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
0: This is Alex Palau and you're listening to Truckside. Hour number two. Thank you for joining us tonight ahead of IndyCar Racing. Last oval of the season, Joseph Newgarden trying to sweep the season. At Worldwide Technology Raceway coming up on Sunday, promptly at 3.30, or real close to it, 3.30 Eastern Time. I'm going to guess radio coverage begins at 3 o'clock. I cannot swear to where that will be. I don't know off the top of my head when the Colts play this weekend, if the Colts are playing, I think it will they're, be on I a different I think they're Thursday.
2: I think they're Thursday.
0: Okay. I used to know those things. I am no longer required to know, so it is a leisure Um so, yeah, probably right here at 93.5, 107.5, The Fan, on Sunday afternoon, 3.30 Eastern. 3.31 is the command, 3.36 is the green flag coming up on Sunday afternoon. For the Bomarito Automotive Group 500, last time someone swept every oval race in a season when there was more than one oval race in a season was... Had to be Foyt. Never. According yeah. to Russ Thompson.
2: Yeah. Closest if it happened.
0: Sebastian Bourdais, when there was one champ car oval race in, I think he said 2006.
2: So he swept that year.
0: He won that one and he swept, <laughs> but apparently Foyt never won every oval race in a year because, well, they all would have been oval races uh, yeah. in the early sixties. Right. When was the first road course Indy car race? 65 ish,
2: well, probably. Probably Riverside, maybe have been the first. I, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, by the they way, ran the Colts
0: sport back in the day, they ran Colts,
2: Colts are Thursday at eight o'clock. So, they're... and here's your next update
0: Anthony Richardson, the quarterback, is apparently going to play this time. <laughs> So there this
2: you go. This is this is all the sports you need to know right here.
0: That's all all you need to know. Uh so yeah, Joseph's got that going for him this weekend as well. Um, let's get to new information from the day. Racer.com put something out a little after five o'clock or so that I think is really, really cool. Penske and AJ Foyt Racing are going to be working
2: together. So we'll call this a technical alliance. Very much as we've seen, although I think it'll be different than technical. Uh, Seems to go deeper. It'll go deeper than that, but we'll call it technical alliance, which is we've seen with Meyer Shank Racing and Andretti have this technical alliance. So it's a term we're familiar with. But ultimately, what it becomes is a way for Team Penske to showcase some drivers, maybe even get drivers in the system, so to speak, in their system without fielding them in one of their three primary cars or two, if they choose to have two or four, I suppose, even that. So if they wanted to sign a young driver, and I can think of a couple, we'll get to those in a minute, but they could have them be on, on Foyt's team and, then they could watch them developed and they could send engineering help and they can send mechanics or they could send dampers and they could send whatever assistance they'd like to send. Maybe if it's even sponsorship that doesn't fit with their their current program, whatever it is, it's kind of like an associate team and they're both in the Chevy program, which makes sense. They're both, and it's funny that this came out this week I actually heard about this during the off season and then it was explained in the story by Tim Sendrick is that Scott Harner had had kind of helped foster discussions last year and then he switched to Andretti uh, so he had been at Foyt and and had initiated the conversation and then moved Andretti and then that kind of took took the the conversations out of circulation and then Larry Foyt came back to Tim Sendrick and said, hey, do you want to revisit this and so forth? But what I was going to allude to is just this week, I saw a great photograph. I, I fo- put it in my phone because I wanted to keep it for, for future reference. It was a photo that I've seen before, but I've not seen it in a long time. And it's a picture of, of Foyt and Roger Penske back in some probably – 69 68 somewhere like that maybe even 67 the the point is it reminds me and it should remind everyone just how deep their friendship goes um you know when when aj Foyt and his team want assistance roger penske would be there for them and i suspect you know the Foyt team felt like and i don't think this is too far of a stretch to say that they needed some some help in some areas to make them more competitive. And and Roger Penske and, and Tim Sindrick saw that as a way to help friends moving forward and to help themselves. Again, if they're going to hire the young driver on the block who's, you know, 21 years old or, or less, but they don't really want to put him in a Team Penske car in 2024, this could be a path to do so. And the same would be true for a young mechanic or a young engineer. There's all sorts of potential benefits to this. And I see it as a win-win for everybody. And then keep in mind, it's not too far of a stretch to bring this into the conversation is that Roger Penske owns the series and anything he can do to kind of help, you know, those who might be in need is a good thing for the sport as a whole. And keeping Foyt relevant is, is really important. Yeah, that's the big one there
0: that this is good for the sport
2: because
0: watching them struggle most every weekend, other than Indianapolis, and that's a big other because that one, you know, you can survive on because they were so good. They were legitimately good all month. And on race day, they were a huge factor. But it's been rough most other weekends. And, you know, in part because they have one rookie driver and then the other who hasn't been in the series full time for the last couple of years, really talented driver, but it's been tough. So, we've all been worried. But what what's the future? Where are they at? Doesn't do it's it's no fun seeing AJ Foyt racing run at the back, run multiple laps down with at least one of their cars, often two of their cars. So this is for the greater good and there's an advantage of having a team that is invested in the sport. They're not and it does for Penske, it covers a lot of things because Miles Rowe is really good. Miles Rowe is going to win this championship. It's not locked up yet, but it's pretty close. I wouldn't be shocked to see him in Indy Next at Laguna Seca because that championship is over at Portland and then he'll be in Indy Next next year. And if it goes well there, he's not going to team Penske the year after that. Their minor leagues has always been another team, just like they did with Joseph Newgarden. And... You know, what was it? Scott McLaughlin was the first true rookie they had had since the late 90s. And in some ways, you could kind of go back to like Mears uh, before they had had rookie. I could be off on that, but the point is they don't do rookies. Well, this allows them. They don't have to just do a wink, wink, don't sign a long-term contract. They can officially keep control of someone and loan them out, and it's all above board. It's what they do with the Wood Brothers team in NASCAR of, of loaning drivers out. Uh, So this is fantastic. This is fantastic.
2: Well, and let's keep in mind the equipment benefits for Team Foyt. Uh, Dampers are a huge element in this sport. Shocks are a big... Yeah, yeah. it's, It's very important. And, you know, we've seen championship quality drivers, championship winning drivers drive for Foyt in recent years, and they couldn't make the difference either. Whether that be Bordeaux, that whether that be Kadan, you know, they had good runs occasionally, but it consistently that was a problem, especially on the non-Ovals. And so getting equipment help and and maybe to some degree just more engineers. I certainly wouldn't fault the the drivers and the engineers that and they even the crew. I mean, Foyt's had good people there at times. They,
0: they have they have quality people. They have, but but as we always say they can get better, and I think they are getting better, but so is everybody else. Exactly. You've got to get three times better than what Penske, Ganassi, Andretti, McLaren are doing because they're all getting better. If you wanted to try to bridge that gap, you've got to get three times better than what they've been doing because they're getting significantly better too.
2: Yeah. So so I think this is a win-win for for everyone. Um you know, again, we've seen alliances in in other aspects. Uh, the manufacturers. This is good for the manufacturers as well uh, to have you know just more help for some of the smaller teams. Um, I still, you know, you're still expecting Penske to do what Team Penske does, and and the hope is that the Foyt team would become more marketable through improved performances on a consistent basis, and. You know, from from Foyt standpoint, I would expect the phone has been ringing from from drivers now that, you know, you were yep. getting drivers who were interested in an IndyCar ride. And and if Foyt was their, you know, one of their best shots, then they're going to call Foyt. But now it's a pathway to Team Penske to they'll be watching them closer the, they may be under contract. I mean, there's a whole different reason to be interested in signing with Floyd at this point.
0: Does the Benjamin Peterson partnership now make more sense from Benjamin Peterson's standpoint? So from this story, this has been in discussion for a while. When this decision was made, which I think was last summer, I believe I remember knowing last summer that Peterson was headed to Floyd with significant financial banking. Crucial for the Foyt team. That's their financial bank- banking right now. Is the the partnership that Benjamin Peterson and his dad bring? That's their most significant partner. And the question had been asked: Well, if you've got that kind of budget, you probably had some options. Maybe that was part of the incentive: is that hey, we're talking to Penske, and we're eventually going to do a partnership there that may. Makes this a little bit more enticing. Maybe, maybe not, but if if that was not part of it, then all of a sudden that's looking better because that is said to be a multi year agreement. And um, you're right. I'm sure the phone is ringing now. And what I also think becomes more of a possibility is, you know, we always throw out there whatever star driver we want to name, you know, doing a one off or, um, someone you know say, say for example if ryan hunter ray decides not to run full-time next year and wants to do a one-off in the 500 where could he go would team penske feel like yeah this is for the greater good would they put kyle bush in a car yeah eh, we don't really want to do that because we want to win the 500 and we like having three cars does this not give them an option to okay kind of like what they did with briscoe in dragon racing way back when before he came to team Penske is that it's sort of a Penske car and you'll get some help from us, but we're going to separate it a little bit. We can still say we're a three car team and our engineering room is going to be three cars, but then the engineers are going to talk amongst themselves and that Foyt car, which by the way, was already really good this year uh, is going to have some Penske association. Kyle Busch is probably not coming to drive AJ Foyt's car. Now maybe he will now after it finished third this year, but you align someone with Team Penske, the Kyle Larsons, the Kyle Bushes, the Ryan Hunter Rays, you know, those kind of drivers. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm more interested now.
2: Yeah. I, I think it, um, it certainly raises all kinds of possibilities. And I think, you know, ultimately, while that's really enticing from a competitor standpoint, I think we're just going to like, AJ Foyt racing being more competitive on a week to week basis. You know, they don't have to win races for them to be fun to be, to have around, but we all, we all feel the pain when, when they're just that if, you know, some of these races, they've just not been very good over the last few years. So having the damper program, having a road course car that's in the mix that doesn't, um, it's just, it's just, it's going to be much more fun. I
0: feel better about the Indy Next Champion having a better chance for a landing spot because now that scholarship can sort of stay in the family. You know, it's eight or nine hundred thousand dollars. It's not cash. Some of that goes towards testing. Whatever that number is, is still a fifth or sixth of what you need to do a full season program. If it's staying within the family and helping the Foyt program if they need a second car or maybe they think about doing a third car in that scenario. So I, I think that's all positive. So good stuff. Happy to hear that. Looking forward to learning more a little bit about that. That's this weekend. And apparently, by the way, it starts now. Wow. Is, is what I read. That That's what I read in the story that for the rest of the season, they will be sharing information. So, um, you know, hopefully we see it pay some immediate dividends for the sharing of technical support, you know, I think you could potentially see at the end of the season if there are any people aligned with Team Penske that are helping out with HMD on the Indy next side. They're going to be off that weekend. You know, maybe some of those people get a chance to to be more involved. I think they're going to stay focused on what they're doing with Ernie Francis Jr. Uh on that side of things for no, let's see. I'm sorry. They they have they will race a Laguna Sake. I'm thinking about Miles Rowe. He will be done and the other lower levels will be done before we get to Laguna Seca. But but who knows? Opens up a lot of possibilities. Uh, another thing that is new from this week, unfortunately, has been pretty much a, a weekly mini segment is the number 60 car. And Simon Pagino is not going to be able to drive it this weekend, has yet to be cleared. We don't know anything new at this point. I don't think Simon even sent out a statement. Uh, this week, nor would I blame him. What can he say different that he didn't say the week before? So I don't take that as a negative or a positive. Uh, I'm sure there's frustration involved, and it's possible he knows. You know, maybe it's yeah, I kind of know where I'm at. Uh, maybe he knows I'll be back in the next week, or he knows yeah, this is going to take longer. Not likely to change, but whatever the case is, Linus Lundquist will get a third straight opportunity on a third different kind of track. So he will have done a street course. Uh, a road course, and now he does a short oval this weekend.
2: And it'll be interesting to see then what happens to Linus the next couple of races after that. You know, I I think we've talked about this, that we have thought that maybe he might be in a Rahal car. Does he stay with Meyer Shank? Do they put Blumquist in the car for the last two races? Still a lot of things till, still to decipher uh, over the next, you know, three weeks.
0: And I mentioned last week that I suspected that he was his options were probably going beyond Ray Hall and Meyer Shank. And and now I read from Marshall Pruitt on racer.com. He says there there's a little bit of uh as as you always did as well, you leave just a little bit of wiggle room because things can change, you know, until it is officially signed. Uh and as we're learning, sometimes even when things are signed, things change. But until it happens, you yeah, you'd feel more comfortable leaving some wiggle room. But he has, I think, written a couple of different times that he expects Lundquist to be in a Ganassi car, which I can see. I think this makes a lot of sense. And that would lead me to what I've said I think is going to happen this season. Don't know it 100%, but I have thought that Marcus Erickson was going to end up with Andretti. And if that's the case then they, even by retaining Alex Pillow, have a good seat to fill. And if the Lundqvist to Ganassi thing is true, and unless they know Pillow is headed to Formula One and they have another seat available, because Dixon's the only one we know is coming back, but th- that I think Lundqvist coming there requires that either Pillow or Erickson are gone. And I'd be shocked if they've given up on Pillow, because I think he's likely to be there, again, unless he gets a Formula One deal. So that's probably how that works. And this is someone that is likely going to be available for a smaller salary. This is Alex Pillow situation 2.0. He's not Alex Polo 2.0, but it's the same scenario. Someone with a lot of talent that we're going to invest in probably don't have to pay a whole lot. Maybe there's some budget attached with him. Probably not because I don't think he had any or he would have had more until this situation late in the year,
2: but I can see it. I can see it too, but I want to play devil's advocate because this is talk radio and we have a chance to, to debate things. So as I play devil's advocate, I have think very highly of Linus Lundquist, but I'm going to pose it to you to help us understand. So the indie. Next champion from a year ago has had a couple different tests, and he's had two races, none of which have been on an oval. What what qualifies him for one of the best seats in the business? What qualified Alex Pelot
0: for one of the best seats in the business? What qualified uh Felix Rosenquist from before Ed Jones? Maybe there was some budget coming along with some of those. That's a little bit vague in that but, regard, but, but I, I Polo, believe Chip Ganassi racing, Polo had had, you're right.
2: Polo had had some results. Go ahead. He Polo he'd had had some it results. In, he had yeah, impressed America at and Indy. Road America and at an Indy, and he had a full season to evaluate in this case. And look, I, I, I hope for the best for Linus. And I, I think this is not, a, it goes without saying it's a golden opportunity. And I think he's shown a lot in two races but he hasn't shown a full season. He hadn't even been on an oval with an Indy car.
0: So let's look at it from this standpoint. He, in his first year on a lot of these tracks, kept pace and challenged Kyle Kirkwood and David Malukas. Those are the only three that won races that year. Kirkwood and Malukas won the most. I think Lundquist won three in his first year. The year before that, he was on the same team as David Malukas, who's pretty good, right? pretty good yeah 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 he crushed david malukas same car new to america in the f3 regional championship okay it's not a super high championship but i don't have it in front of me he won something like 14 to 17 races crushed everyone including david malukas who is a really good indie card now now david is younger and was younger at the time so that's not fair uh, because David is a much different driver, much more experienced. But that's part one. But he he did pretty well straight up against Maloukas, who was more of a finished prod, prod, product at the time, and certainly Kyle Kirkwood, who is and was the most heralded junior former Formula American driver in many years. Lundquist wasn't far behind him. And then last year, he was pretty dominant in this series, in which two other drivers moved up to IndyCar as well. I think he was highly sought after. The finances didn't work themselves out. They had one seat. It required budget. It went to Marcus Armstrong, and then it's get a rethink. Um, I'm going to guess Mike Hall has spoken to people that saw his test at Texas Motor Speedway that he trusts. So they have more intel than we do. I think he's, what little I know, I think he's going to be good. And you look at the list of available drivers – No one jumps out as saying, this is a can't miss. So some of this is kind of on upside, but I don't know that we feel like there's anyone that is a guaranteed champion. I think we really like David Maloukas, and we really like Kalamila, and wonder what he would be on a different situation. Um, Who else in that category would jump out at us? You know, Rosenquist is the only free agent out there, if Erickson has signed, but has won a race. And he's won one. Maybe Renus VK is available. He's won one. So it's not a big leap
2: to get down to Linus Lundquist. True. True. I know i gonna
0: ask I, for nothing. He's gonna ask for nothing well, and say thank you very much.
2: That's 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 absolutely what's happened in this situation. Um it's going to be money
0: the same money, the same. They might still
2: choose them. No, no, no. I think all all of those drivers, maybe Rosenquist would be the exception, but all those other drivers are going to basically drive for whatever chip says he, they're going to drive for um, from a, f- from a financial standpoint. Look, I believe Linus is is a great choice for all the reasons you just described. I play devil's advocate because there's surely somebody who has, tuned into just enough IndyCar races to know that Linus won the championship last year in IndyNext, but where's he been all year, and what has he shown you in an IndyCar? And I think it that just raised the question to have the discussion. That's all.
0: Yeah. Okay. The counterpoint would be he's been in those two races already better than the two guys that have won a combined, what, 46 races? Yeah. So that tells you something. In the two races, he's picked that up pretty well. So this will lead us to Chris, Mr. CMB99's question. He asks, has Lundquist officially signed with Ganassi? If so, why would Meyer shank take a chance starting him on his first oval this weekend? So I have two guesses there. The next would be when, when Connor Daly became no longer available. Then it was, what other options do you have? And we'll get into that in a moment. But they might have decided, yeah, this is our best chance to score points. But part two might be, again, straight cash, homie. Uh, he he can bring budgets to this because he told me at IMS he had not exhausted all of the scholarship money and still had enough for one more race. Uh, because I would ask the same question. I think it's a good question, Chris. Why, if, if that is true, either one, it's also possible that they had... Locked him in because you know maybe they knew three weeks ago that Simon wasn't going to be available for the Oval, so let's just do a three race deal, and that was already done. And then after race number one is when his phone really started ringing, that might be when the Ganassi thing came about. And by that point, Connor has already moved on, uh, so all right, let's just stick with it here. But part two might be all right, we're not going to try to get out of that because he is helping with the budget, we've had some crashes. We Yes, we are a a sponsored team, but everyone would like to have more. So that's probably the best guess. Now, who would be the next options? Who's out there and who is available? Because unfortunately, we may be asking this question again uh, next week for Portland. And if they only did a three race deal, might that continue? Might they not want to continue teaching someone that's going to be racing against them next year? And I don't know what's the limit
2: to be still considered a rookie. Is it three or is it four races? I think it's four, but i I would not uh, I would not swear by it. My question to you is, why would they not run Blumquist if they could? They should, but they could this
0: week, right? Uh, Vir is, I believe, a GT only race. Yeah, they are no. Yeah, they're no not program. racing at Vir. So the reason they would not be running him this week is because they feel like they want to score points. They want well, to be in the leader circle.
2: He hasn't been on an oval.
0: They'd like to get him oval experience, yes, but they'd like a million dollars more or thereabouts. And well, I, I have, believe, and I believe they would believe that Linus Lundquist gives you a better
2: chance to score on an oval than Tom Blomquist does right now. Oh, absolutely. Uh, my question was, has has he even tested I don't know, one, the answer is no. No, so that's right. Unless they worked out something, he
0: is not eligible. Correct. Got to think if they wanted him to do this, they could have. Because people tested at Gateway last week. There were rookie tests at Gateway last week. And others. There was like five or six cars, right? He was not one of them. No, I know, but I mean, th- the track was available. Yeah. Uh, so they could have gotten him on there. I'm surprised they didn't. I'm surprised they didn't do that. So that would be the plan. I would assume Portland weekend. um, No, there are no more conflicts.
2: No, they don't run the
0: next. They only have two more races and they are IMS and Petit Le Mans.
2: That's right. Indy was the next for GTP for the prototype. The next chance was the Indy road race on what uh, should have the date on top of my head. 15, 16, 17 of September.
0: Now, maybe Tom is one of these guys that says, nope, I have a plan. I am going back to Europe. You know, because even when he was supposed to be racing and Shank asked him to stay here, I think I might need you. He said, eh, I'm going back to Europe. And then he barely got back here when he found out. Uh, and And then the previous time, he was not in America. So he likes to be somewhere else as much as he can. So he might just say, you know, I'm signed up for next year. And I'd rather go through a proper off-season testing program rather than just be thrown into it with one practice session qualifying and so forth. So who knows? Uh, I would think they'd want to get him in the car for the final two weekends, but who knows? And then, so you got two TBDs. you got the 60 and you've got the 30 because Connor Daly is only confirmed for this weekend. I have to think whoever's in that seat, and they've said this, right? It's going to be somebody they're considering for next season, unless they've already signed Rosenquist or someone else in the paddock.
2: Yeah. It's already driving. It'll be interesting. Yeah. I don't don't have a sense. Uh, If it's not Blumquist, then I don't know who it is.
0: And we shake it all up again for silly season. Um, How much time do we have left in this segment? When did this segment begin? We're about 29 minutes in. It's been a big one. So I'm going to do that next. Let's do that next. Next the number 6 seat. Oh, might be quite coveted for era mclaren. Who is likely to get to that? We'll come we'll get into that next on trackside. Hi, this
3: whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
1: This is Felix Rosenquist and you're listening to Trackside.
0: Okay. Try to get back on time here um, and continue our conversation as we get set for Worldwide Technology Raceway coming up Sunday afternoon, 3.30 airtime on NBC Eastern, 3.36 green flag, three o'clock IndyCar radio time. Still an interest. And I think this is um, an interesting weekend because it's one more last chance I know I've been saying this for we've been saying this for a little while to impress people but I think September 1st is another date you know there are some that are able and fully free on July 1st some on August 1st probably a few more on September 1st and then some not until the season is over um, but Felix Rosenquist is one that said yeah a couple of weeks ago I can't sign yet I can talk with people so I don't know if that means end of the season or September 1st but that's in that scenario as well for potentially him and potentially some others. So a last chance to kind of show what is out there. And Rosenquist is in the seat that is one of the most coveted, but you've still got at least one, two, maybe three Ganassi seats. You've got one, maybe two Andretti seat. Uh, What else is highly anticipated at this point? But who's going to be in the number six Now that Alex Pillow is not, I'm wondering, you know, the first thought would be, well, Felix Rosenquist gets another reprieve. But I think it's possible he's already agreed with somebody else or has just decided, I'm tired of this because if they keep me, it's going to be because they couldn't get the person they want and I'm going to go through all this again. So if someone is willing to offer me a three and maybe even a two-year deal I'm going to take it. And what he said to me on the record was, yeah, I gambled last year, and it did work out. I got lucky, but I'm not inclined to do that again. I'm not really interested in waiting. When I find what I want, I'm going to take it. And I don't think he would have told I don't think he would have said that if he had not already decided what he wanted and that he was going to take it. So my guess is when he told me that two weeks ago, he already knew where he was going and it was not going to be at Arrow McLaren.
2: Ray Hall makes a lot of sense there, doesn't it? Um maybe Meyer Shank. It could be Meyer Shank, but if they were going to test the driver that they'd like to have for next year, that doesn't seem to add that part of the equation. Maybe that's
0: why they're maybe that's why they're fine of keeping Lundquist in the car knowing that he's going away, because we already have our driver. So there is no need to try out someone else sitting on the sidelines.
2: True. Yeah. So I think it's one of those two locations. And I think you're right that you know, he could stay and gamble on himself again. But, you know, until about a week ago, that was a very, very risky strategy with Polo headed his direction.
0: And they may not really want him. You know, he may have um, said what he said. Because I think he also just said, they've had the chance to, to show me whether they really want me. And I can't remember how he phrased this. But, you know, maybe he's learned... Yeah, they're not super keen on me, and I may not have been the next choice anyway. Uh, It it may have been me staying if they were able to do a fourth car. And part of that might have been, as a, a show of faith, the Pato Award. I believe Pato Award really likes Felix Rosenquist and would like him to stay. I'm going to guess a lot of other people around the team want him to stay. But Zach Brown's generally not around the team. You know, he's around the team a few times. He's looking at cachet. He's looking at results. And unfortunately, Felix doesn't have big results. So I could see him saying, all right, I want the next big shiny thing and going back to upside. And the same reason that people might choose Linus Lundqvist in his two races over David Malukas and Callum Eilott, which, by the way, a Callum Eilott is a murkier situation um, because we don't know the status of his contract. Is there an out clause? Does it require a buyout? What is it? But we go back to McLaren. That would have been my first guess. That they know his background from the Formula One world. But but there's going to take some maneuvering to make that happen. Simplest way would be to do a buyout. So that's one idea. But Zach Brown may be decided. You know, I just want to sign someone and be done with it. Is it maybe David Malukas? So this is the second time I've heard this summer that he was headed to Ed Carpenter Racing. And I thought it was going to be announced last week. And I don't believe I've seen a press release about that. So has he had a new offer come in? Now, that could be with the Ray Hall team. It could be with Meyer Shank, But could this be someone that Errol McLaren is looking at? Maybe. That might be a stretch, but let's look at who who do we rank the highest. First, we start with what we know in this paddock. And then the unknown is, and I got to think they would try to play this card, too, that they take the best F2 yeah. project, last year's champion, who's wearing a golf shirt and doing the simulator and doing two days a year in the car. And say, hey, you don't have to give up on the Formula One dream. You come to America. That kind of makes the most sense. But if they want to stay in this paddock, then the pecking order of young drivers is what?
2: Well, Malukas, I think, it is, is a really good one. I just don't... I just wonder, and I know Zach Brown pretty well, um, I don't... F- know that that's the bright shiny object that you're talking about when you describe the kind Mm -hmm. of role to me he's not bright enough he's not shiny enough he's certainly capable i just don't know and i think he's shiny enough for those of us that that uh i think he's shiny enough but i don't know if he's shiny enough for zach brown and i think an f2 driver that they have considerable background on that zach has convinced you know the group himself that this is the way to go to me feels more like feels it would feel like a european play but keep in mind until about a week ago they didn't have a plan b because they had polo you know in their in their clutches or at least fairly fairly recently they've learned that polo was not coming
0: I don't so know they... what Robert Schwartzman and Felipe Drugovich's status are, but those are two of the names from that world that you'd probably want to keep an eye on. But yeah, I think you make some sense on Malukas there. Um, but I, I I've heard a couple of people say, I think he's gonna sign soon with Ed Carpenter Racing. Oh, oh, I maybe agree. that's gonna be announced tomorrow, or maybe it's and and maybe it's all right, what's the hurry? You know, what what's the point? Um, This is a good weekend for Dale Coyne Racing, too, because they were awesome last year. Remember, this is where Malukas finished second, passed a Penske car and, you know, had the funny quote after the race. I look up ahead and there are Penske cars within sight and I'm passing one. Um, And Takuma Sato was in their other car and, and ran well and finished fifth, something like that. So, you know, maybe it's just a kind of a favor to the team. Let's don't, quote, throw shade on everybody. Let's just push this back a little bit. So maybe it still happens. But. There, there are other funded seats that are out there, Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan, and Meyer Shank, that don't have confirmations at this point. I, I, and just, I guess and Andretti,
2: yeah, fourth seated at Andretti. I think all the, all three of those make more sense to me, looking at this from from where we sit, than McLaren. And maybe it is
0: Andretti back in play. So, when, you know, a lot of people have said they thought he had agreed to Andretti, my information was no three weeks ago. I I haven't seen anybody in two weeks. So that could have changed. So maybe that has, maybe there has been a firm offer there for that
2: option. That, to me, that, that feels, feels more natural. But, yeah, McLaren. Well,
0: I'd love to say I told you what's going to happen, but I gave you about four different scenarios. It's I, I don't know. I don't you've know. Covered
2: your, you've covered your bases because we've <laughs> yeah. uh, talked about uh, multiple people in multiple spots. So I will not tell you you heard it here first in that scenario because I don't know. Here's one for you. How about Graham Rahal to McLaren? sure, sure. <laughs> I need to see that announcement too. That Graham is staying
0: with Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan. I think what he's done recently is going to be enough to, if there was any doubt, which there may or may not have been, but if there was any doubt, I suspect there's been enough positive momentum recently. I think that's going to get us another year with Graham Ray Hall, which I am all for because we need Graham Ray Hall racing full time in the sports.
2: And I I think we need Graham continue. And I think we want to see Graham Ray Hall representing his family's brand. I, yep. I don't. It's it's not as much fun. It, you know, it doesn't feel as as right if Graham is driving elsewhere. It, even as important as he is to the series, I think he's that that important to the his own team.
0: Um, okay, we'll see what we missed and more coming up in just a moment. Trackside ninety three five
3: one zero seven five. The fan.
0: Hi, this is Joseph Newgar.
3: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love
0: Final segment, still a lot to cover. Um, oh, I wanted to talk about this. You probably saw it on social media. If you didn't, you should look it up. Really cool coming up for Laguna Seca weekend. Colton Herta is going to be, we all would love to see, a throwback livery race. So uh, Andretti is just going to do it himself. Colton will be driving a car that looks very much like what his dad drove. The what the shell car from the late 90s. Herta was so good. Well, both herders are so good at Laguna Seca, but well, Brian, the original herd mania, and they surprised him with a nice social media video of him coming into the Andretti shop. And you might remember the story of Colton bought, I think he bought the original car for Brian for his birthday last year. And then they surprised Colton with one painted like Brian's car. So well done by GameBridge for, you know, breaking your traditional brand standards uh, that's the good thing when Dan Taurus is there he can kind of okay things like that and say we're going to do it this way and it's going to get some extra eyeballs on GameBridge, even though it's a different color scheme than we normally have so fantastic where could that be done we'd love to see that I know a lot of people throughout Milwaukee that would make a lot of sense if that happens. One idea I had, which I don't know that makes great sense, would be if there is an international race, do you do it there? It's difficult to do throwbacks because it's hard to get through the standards of what's required for the sponsors for their color schemes and everything else. Maybe teams always say, well, we can't sell sponsorship for international races. Maybe that's where you do it if they weren't going to have sponsorship on the car anyway. I don't know, probably no easier. And if you're going to do it, you'd probably like to have uh, American fans there to be able to see it. But just something to think about. And I think this is really cool. Joseph Newgarden has uh, been confirmed driving the Penske Porsche GTP IMSA car at Petit Le Mans. So there's another one that we might see next year in the IMSA sports car race and endurance race at Indianapolis. And then I've seen on social media There's been a Penske Porsche testing at IMS today, this evening even. That might be Joseph. Uh, Who knows on that? Uh, I saw that uh, Jordan Taylor's returning to the family team at Wayne Taylor Andretti Racing starting next year. Uh, He's going to be leaving Corvette. So that's uh, good news there. A few tweets for the love of Indy points out uh, technically, you know what? I'm going to have to save all this for next week. I'm out of time. These are good tweets. But as always, I've run long. And for once, we're not going to go over because Graham Share is filling in tonight and I don't want him to get in any trouble for me rambling on long. Thank you for the the tweets, uh, for the love of Indy, all well noted. Check those out, our fact checker and much more. So we'll try to save that and some others for next week. We'll see you next Tuesday night here at ninety three five one oh seven five The Fan.